I'm Bill Moyers. It's good to have your ear. Rising Voices for Justice. We're at this point in building a new movement. We are not quite at takeoff, but a lot of the building blocks are being put into place. Big shifts in how we do organizing. We feel like this was a little baby step towards aligning some impressive forces across the country. And the high tower lowdown on the spirit of 76. There's a greater power that is building up in the countryside, simmering, bubbling in different places, and that's going to come together uh, because you can't hold the middle class down. That's a lot of people to hold down. They're beginning to rebel. That's what I'm saying. Thanks for joining us. On this 4th of July weekend, think about the authors of the Declaration of Independence who had the courage and nerve to stand up to the British crown and say, enough. And think of the everyday people, regular people, who then put themselves on the line to back up that declaration. Those patriots have their counterparts today in the fight against the modern tyranny of organized money and its chokehold on our government. These champions of grassroots action are fighting for a rearrangement of power, not from the left or from the right, but from the bottom up. They too are saying, enough. No one speaks more powerfully for them than they do for themselves. One of their best known has been agitating for ordinary people for most of his life. Like the circuit riders of old, spreading the word, Jim Hightower is forever on the road, speaking, riding the electronic rails of the internet, appearing on radio and TV, preaching the grassroots gospel. He's had firsthand experience of politics and government, both as a legislative assistant on Capitol Hill and as the two-term agriculture commissioner of his native Texas, where he fought for small farmers against the giants of agribusiness. In addition to his books, he publishes this political newsletter, The Hightower Lowdown, which many of us consider so essential, I once raised money to help make people more aware of its wit and wisdom. Welcome back, Jim. Thank you, Bill. Great to be with you. Well, you have been sounding the populist uh, trumpet ever since we first met 30 or more years ago. But the walls of Jericho are still standing. Corporate power is practically has the lease on Congress. The richer, richer. Wall Street is back on top. And politics at almost every level is overwhelmed by Money. The robber barons have won. Wouldn't you acknowledge that? Well, the robber barons are certainly atop, a uh, uh, but I believe is this populist fervor that is challenging uh, that, that robber barony uh, that, uh, that we have dominating pretty much every aspect of our lives, you know, politics, uh, the economy, uh, whether you get a job or not, and whether that job comes with any pay, much less health care, and you know, the media, you know, right on down the line. Yet, uh, in every one of those segments, uh, there is a growing rebellion and an increasing awareness among different groups fighting different battles uh, that they are connected to the other groups. Uh, it's not a movement yet, but it's beginning to connect up. There's now this group called uh, uh, the United Workers Congress. Uh, and these are 10 different uh, very low-income uh, employee sectors. They're farm workers, uh, they're nannies, uh, they're taxi cab drivers, they're day laborers, and they're adjunct professors. Adjunct professors. Professors. It's an unusual participant in a coalition like that. They are paid a poverty wage. Uh, no health benefits, no uh, security, job security, uh, you know, just like fast food workers, in fact. 
What does that suggest to you? It suggests that uh, people are beginning to get together and see their common interests. Uh, so here are some of the here are the highest educated poverty workers in America with the lowest educated poverty workers, and seeing uh, that they were in the same boat now. Uh, and that realization is is a powerful political potential. I'll give you another example. We had uh, a world protest against McDonald's. There were 30 countries uh, involved in it. That takes organization. Again, it's not high visibility yet, but neither was civil rights uh, until it popped out. To me, these things have a dynamic uh, of their own, a life of their own, and there comes a point at which the people are pushing and more and more politicians begin to respond. Elizabeth Warren in the Senate makes a difference. You know as well as I do that most members of Congress are not even trying anymore, not listening to everyday people, not talking their language, not even knowing the regular folks. I don't even think they're scared anymore of not pleasing the people. They're more scared of not pleasing their donors. And so what's going to happen when, if there is a convergence of this popular agitation and discontent, and it runs into the walls of Jericho? (laughs) Well, there's... There will be blood, <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, there will be heads bludgeoned. You're not saying to people, take no. up your guns and... No, 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 no. But, uh, but t- take up yourself and get on the front lines, get in the face of power, and that power will, will have guns and will have clubs uh, and dogs, uh, and they will unleash that on us. But we've got to be brave enough to do that. That's been inevitable in every big movement, even, even the women's suffrage movement, you know. Uh, yeah. had violence against those women. Uh, and we certainly saw it in the civil rights movement. Uh, we see it in the environmental movement. Uh, the movements that have come along and succeeded uh, have had to put their, not just their, uh, their, their selves on the line, they had to put their heads uh, on the line. And, uh, and more and more people are doing it. Again, something like uh, the fracking movement. Uh, people are, are, uh, are taking abuse and under arrest. Uh. But Jim, the Occupy movement, for example, started in 2011, spread around the world. It had wall-to-wall coverage from some 24-hour networks. Everyone was talking about it, and then it disappeared. Well, one, it didn't disappear. It went into the countryside. There's a group called Occupy Our Homes uh, that has helped to save uh, at least hundreds, if not uh, thousands, of people uh, from... Citigroup and Goldman Sachs and just uh, no Morgan press. Chase from yeah. no, it gets, it gets well, it gets local press, but very little uh, press. Uh, but they are still out there. But what Occupy did uh, was to change uh, the discussion. Uh, you could ask Mitt Romney about that. Uh, it put uh, inequity, uh, the one percent versus ninety-nine percent, smack dab in the middle of the twenty twelve presidential election. Uh, it made it possible for media everywhere to begin to talk about that or in fact have to talk about it because people were talking about it. It's not just the kids and the people who are at those camps around the country of Occupy but the public support for it was overwhelming uh, and that's, that generates a, uh, a, a momentum. I agree with you and yet people have kept talking about it and as you know the inequality gap, the income gap, the wealth gap gets wider and wider like the Grand Canyon. Well, yes, but you, you, you can't just wait for it to, uh, to, you can't just give up. That, that's your choice. I mean, do we just quit? Uh, no, you double down uh, and go back at it uh, and become more disobedient uh, and seek new avenues and, and cleverer ways to, to go at it. And people are, uh, again, are doing that uh, in, um, in, in 
all sorts of movements, uh, including taking on big money in politics. You know, the, we, we have an actual grassroots movement. Uh, now, I think it's 13 states have called, officially called on Congress, the state legislatures have, to send to their states, to their people, a constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United. Uh, you get, you know, 13 more states, uh, that's going to be even bigger. And that movement is growing every single day. And these are real people uh, and, and groups of people uh, and increasingly forging coalitions uh, in their towns, in their states, uh, focused, as I say, squarely on the issue of corporate power, not just a particular abuse by a corporation, but uh, the, the power of the corporation itself. And, and think about that, Bill. Wall Street and the CEOs uh, have turned uh, uh, you know, corporation into a into a, a four-letter word. Uh, people no longer take great pride in a corporation in their town because they've seen what these entities do. There is a greater power that is building up in the countryside, simmering, bubbling in different places, and that's going to come together uh, because you can't hold the middle class down. Now, poor people are, you know, they're good at holding down poor people. They've had decades, centuries of experience. But now you're trying to hold down the American middle class and succeeding at the moment. But those people know that they, you know, even a dog knows the difference between being stumbled over and being kicked. <laughs> and these people who have now been knocked out of the middle class, and by the way, since the 2008 uh, recession collapse of Wall Street uh, crashed on our economy, 90% uh, of the American people have lost income and lost wealth. Nine out of ten of us, that's a lot of people to hold down and think that those people are not going to rebel. They're beginning to rebel. That's what I'm saying. You know, Ralph Nader is out with a new book called Unstoppable in which he says there could be a coalition of left and right united around such common interests as uh, ending corporate bailouts, uh, military overreach, and even the minimum wage. There are people on the right who support the minimum wage. And that's what I'm saying is out there in a number of, uh, of, of different issues. And, and the transition begins to happen when they, they see that they are working together uh, and that, uh, that this corporate power is really what they're battling, the concentration of money and power uh, that wants to stomp on them, no matter what their uh, voter registration card says, uh, that, that then they begin to think, well, maybe some of these other issues, too, are related to this. And that's when the movement begins to weave together and become something more than just a scattershot of uh, protest groups. The 4th of July, yes. 2014, Thomas Jefferson, who drafted the Declaration of Independence, as you know, would also warn against what he called aristocracy, founded on banking institutions and moneyed in corporations, riding and ruling over the plundered plowman and beggared yeomanry. What do you think? Thomas Jefferson would say of our system today? I think he would say that this is the exact opposite of what we were talking about. Now, you know, there wasn't much democracy in, uh, in, in the first U.S. government, uh, 1789, I guess, uh, uh, when it took power. Uh, uh, only 4% of the people were even eligible to vote. You know, you had to own land if you were a white man <laughs> to be able to vote. And, of course, if you were African-American, Native American, woman, you know, no, you couldn't vote. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of democracy there, but their vision, their ideals were there uh, of a greater democracy. And they understood about corporate power, even in that day. 
because uh, you got to remember that uh, the you know the original Boston Tea Party was not just about King George III's government. It was about the East India Trading Company and the way that they were treating the uh, the merchants and the consumers in the colonies, uh, and people hated them. Uh, and in fact, that's the tea that they were throwing overboard was the East India Trading Company's tea. That that spirit has been a part of America from the from the very beginning. Uh, so, you know, people are, are ready for that kind of politics, and if they see it beginning to work somewhere, then they take greater heart, and, and they, they make a bigger effort, and other people join with them. That's, to me, how you build a movement. Jim Hightower, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. We're back with more about movement building. In our nation's capital recently, there was a conference of activists from around the country calling themselves the Rising Voices for a New Economy. They're organizing to fight for a living wage and a just society. We're in a bit of a crossroads. Director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance, Ajahn Poo. We can continue to go down a path of a low-road economy where the fastest-growing jobs are all poverty-wage jobs, or we can start to chart a new path. If we're serious about changing the country and changing who our economy serves and what values are underneath it, we've got to come together in much bigger ways than we have before. Executive Director of National People's Action, George Gale. So at the conference, we're training a new generation of activists around how to think differently about how we do organizing. The conference was called Rising Voices for a New Economy. Once again, Ajahn Poo. And it was held in Washington, D.C., where a lot of decisions about the future of our economy get made. We had 500 domestic workers from around the country meeting for several days, many immigrant women, African-American women, so almost entirely women of color. Hello, NBA! And then we were joined with the National People's Action, and they represent small family farmers and public housing residents and all kinds of working people. There was a long history in the field of community organizing of different organizations actually not collaborating actually kind of running down their own path, building their own power, but not building a movement. Once again, George Gale. I think there was just a recognition that we were up against such big forces that we actually don't have any choice but to collaborate. The same root causes are impacting everybody. So if you're fighting to save your home from foreclosure or you're seeing corporate agriculture come into your state and ruin family farms, you see corporate power and so people are making the connections. And I think organizing in organizations like ours and the domestic workers help people make those connections. It's not that my state is broke and that we can't afford the things that we so desperately need. It's just that the people that are making the most money aren't contributing to our state and to our country. This is happening all over the country. Brianna Champion from the Iron Student Network. Two-thirds of corporations in Illinois pay no income taxes. If they were to pay taxes, that is money that could go to students like me who can't afford school. And not just my education, this affects everything in my community. If, if you care about us having a modern social safety net, 
you need corporations to pay their fair share. Once again, George Gale. If you want to see new infrastructure built so we can create jobs in this country, we need corporations to pay their fair share. I could go on and on. If there's any issue that we need to unite around, this is one of them. And right now, corporations are sitting on record profits, but simultaneously paying record low tax levels. There's so much wealth all around us. Once again, Ajahn Poo. I definitely think that our scarcity mentality is one that can and should shift and is not based on the reality that we have here in this country. We need to go expose those lies, tell the new story, and take our country back. So we are going to be calling targeted voters. A hundred folks have come from all across the country to learn a critical organizing skill, which is canvassing. From the Maine People's Alliance, Genevieve Lyson. Today, um, the group of volunteers are calling about a tax haven bill in Maine that would ask corporations to report the profits that they're storing overseas right now. Because uh, currently, um, they're allowed to, to get away without reporting that income and thus not pay any taxes on it. And we don't think that's fair. I'm going to make it really easy for you. I can transfer you right over to where you can either speak with your legislator, which is Senator Langley. In Maine, um, we've been able to override the governor's veto on um, our state budget, on a slew of environmental bills, and it was by contacting voters um, at their homes to call their legislators. So canvassing works. Do you mind if I turn this computer a little bit? The goal here is that all of these volunteers take back the skills that they're learning here today and bring them back to their communities and their organizations. So we're, you know, we're seeking to build a big group of powerful um, canvassers across the country to try to turn things around. At our conference, we do training, we do issue workshops, and then most importantly, we hit the streets. It's time to make some noise! We actually left the conference and went into the streets. Protests are one of many ways to get a story out there. To us, it's about making visible the many, many voices and experiences that are made invisible in an unequal economy and society like the one that we live in. All right, so our first action is a surprise action. Today we're taking one of the biggest tax dodgers in the country, GE General Electric. We took 600 folks from MPA and the domestic workers to the GE's lobbying operation here in Washington, D.C. And it was to really go directly to the people that are responsible for the tax dodging that GE is engaged in and bring the message directly to them. GE, we're ending your tax dodging today! In a time that they've made $30 billion in profit, they've gotten $3 billion back in tax refunds. We need to expose them directly and go toe-to-toe with corporate power. Wealthy elites have basically isolated themselves off from the rest of us. They actually don't have to see poverty. They don't actually have to see the people that have been made invisible by inequality. Pay your taxes so our families can live. It's a transformative experience for people to speak truth to power in a really direct way. And it is about civic engagement and participation. It is about making this country the country that makes everyone visible. Above us are the General Electric offices, and up there 
They can hear you. We're at this point in building a new movement. We are not quite at takeoff, but a lot of the building blocks are being put into place. Big shifts in how we do organizing, big shifts in terms of collaboration. We feel like this was a little baby step towards aligning some impressive forces across the country. There was something of the spirit of 76 about those protesters as they marched up Capitol Hill to make their case to any legislators who would listen. I mean the spirit of 1776, when ordinary people became insurgents against imperial power. The House of Representatives, by the way, was once known as the People's House, and now it's in the imperial grip of money. But these present-day insurgents are just getting started And as Tom Paine, the great pamphleteer and journalist of the American Revolution, wrote, an army of principles will penetrate where an army of soldiers cannot. At our website, BillMoyers.com, you'll find calls for hope and creative ways to bring about change in interviews I've done with George Gale, Ajahn Poo, and other activists at our Take Action page. That's at BillMoyers.com. I'll see you there, and I'll see you here next time. Moyers and Company is produced by Public Affairs Television. You can learn more about the team that collaborates to produce the series at BillMoyers.com. Funding is provided by Ann Gumowitz, encouraging the renewal of democracy. Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security at Carnegie.org. The Ford Foundation working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. The Herb Alpert Foundation, supporting organizations whose mission is to promote compassion and creativity in our society. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macfound.org. Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The Kohlberg Foundation, Barbara G. Fleischman, And by our sole corporate sponsor, Mutual of America, designing customized individual and group retirement products. That's why we're your retirement company.